Welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our guest author, Carl A. Schultz. Two books, Pope St. Paul VI, a pictorial retrospective published by TAN, and Prophet and Pilgrim of Peace, 99 Sayings by Pope St. Paul VI by New City Press, both available through our EWTN religious catalog. It's good to see you, Carl. Paul, nice, uh, nice to be back. Right, and you've been on uh, various programs over the years. I know recently, a few months back, uh, early last year, uh, you were on with Father Mitch late last year, actually. Correct. Uh, and uh, you were there talking about, uh, what was your topic at the time you were oh, talking Paul about? Paul VI. On Paul VI. Yeah. Why would it be that topic, since we've got two books here on Paul VI? You actually had a, have another book on Paul VI, right? Yeah, two more books, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's more than anybody else that I know in English. Right, absolutely. Because I grew up with him. In mm -hmm. other words, he was so, he was the Pope of my youth, right. and he, but he opened the doors mm -hmm. in a good way. In other words, right. you know, like when people are trying to get started in anything, they need someone to help. Right. And Paul opened the doors. In fact, he's a Pope maker because right. he opened the door. He brought Carol Watoya in to do the Curia retreat mm -hmm. in 1976, mm -hmm. and then he. Right. Um, he actually put the alb, the, the papal alb, over Lu, Albino Luciani and made him blush, you know, like he was consecrating a pope. It was John Paul I. Yes, exactly, right. 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 And then with Benedict, he made him a cardinal in Munich when he was right. very young and he had been a right. professor. So he's opened, he opens doors for a lot of people. And he's the Yamane Vitae pope. I mean, he's the one who stood up at a time when nobody else was really standing up, yet many times he's kind of forgotten in a lot of ways, isn't he? Yeah, in fact, everybody refers to that, mm -hmm. and his his corpus is so much wider, and, it, and the thing that I find, it's, it's uh, in both of those books are quotes from his talk on May 4th, 1970, to the teams of Our Lady, which are married couples that meet with a priest, right, usually monthly, yeah, right. it's a great thing, it was the 25th anniversary, and it was about um, a year and a half a little more than a year and a half after Humana Vitae, and he gave a pastoral talk on marriage that's phenomenal. So he didn't have to worry about doctrines as much on that talk. It was pastoral care. Right. And he, he said one thing that was amazing. He said some, some, some people in marriage are in such difficult situations that the only way that they can handle it is by recognizing that they are participating in the passion of Christ. Right. And that's really mm -hmm. you know a powerful thing to, for people to understand. Right. It's not punishment from God. Jesus is asking them them to join him, right. and he'll provide the graces for them to be able to cope. Right, and that and drawing on the sacrament to be able to, and the graces of the sacrament to be able to get through those tough times, right? Correct, absolutely. Right. Now you dedicated this book to your mother, why? Well, because she really, she lived, she lived it. I never heard her talk bad about other people, and there were times in my life where I was down where she brought me up, particularly in sports. Mm -hmm. You know, she always encouraged me. And she you were a basketball player, right? Yeah, and she encouraged me. You know, when I was humiliated in high school and I went out and, and walked on to play first string on the varsity reserve at University of Michigan, I wouldn't have done that had it not been for her encouragement. Mm -hmm. And she told me, because I trained hard, she says, when you're older, that will come and help you. And it's true, that's why as we were talking, I go out and swim way out in the ocean right. because I've taken care of my body. And you know, that, that's why I, and she, she lived it and she encouraged right. me to practice the faith. Now this, uh, this uh, pictorial retrospective here, uh, you know, besides the pictures, and they're beautiful, and there's a lot of pictures in here, but there's also a lot of information, including, uh, you know, his background and his life story. And one of the things I thought was interesting, you put right near in the beginning, was kind of like a timeline. And one of the things that jumped out on me on the timeline, besides him being born in 1897, but that between 1939 and 45, during the war years, he oversaw the Vatican Information Office for the exchange and search 
for news of military and civilian prisoners, so he was working to get information on people. Absolutely. And, you know, whenever they had that, that uh, Rudolph Hawk did that play on Pius XII, the, the kind deputy. of slander, the yeah, deputy. the deputy, right. uh, Paul VI came out with a, you know, a, a, a measured quote, not an angry quote, mm -hmm. a measured quote saying that this kind of thing shouldn't be done, you know, that you don't, you don't take somebody's reputation. And, and Pius XII had been praised by the rabbi of Rome right. and all Absolutely. that kind of stuff. So, right. you know, Paul VI well, really stuck up for him. He was right I, there I, with I him. I think there was a sense there was a communist uh, emphasis behind that to try to uh, take away the, the positive aspects of the Catholic Church, especially during that part of the time, because during the Cold War, uh, they were afraid of the influence on the church right. in the eastern part, eastern bloc. Right. And, and that, that you know what, Doug, that's a great point because that Paul VI oast politic, mm -hmm. you know, politic towards the east, a conciliation where he's trying to open the doors, that gave, that set a foundation for John Paul to come in and, and take down the walls, so right. to speak. And for me, you talked about him being the, the pope of your, your youth, and for most of mine he was too. But this is the big thing for me, 1965, one day whirlwind trip to New York City. Now he did go to the UN, but really what mattered was he said mass for peace at Yankee Stadium. And at the original stadium, they, there used to be a plaque on the wall out by the monuments. And oh, it must be still there at the new stadium, but they used to, they had a plaque for the mass. Yeah, you know, I used to joke that he outdrew the Beatles because the Beatles had their biggest concert ever in, at Shea Stadium. That's at, right. A few months before, they drew 55,000. Paul VI drew 90,000. And I mean, that was, would you think? It helps the Yankee Stadium was bigger, too. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Well, we need help. But, you know, it's a beautiful thing, the Mass right. for Peace. What witness, you right. know? I mean, that, 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 I, I don't remember a Mass being like that before. Right, exactly. That was, a, that was a new thing. Yeah. And he was really the first pilgrim pope. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in that way, he, he kind of started that idea of the pope leaving Rome and, and traveling, right? Yeah, that's right. A missionary pope. I also didn't realize, in looking again at this timeline, September 27, 1970, proclamation of St. Teresa of Avila as the first female doctor of the church. He did that. Yeah, and then uh, a couple weeks later, he did St. Catherine, Catherine of Siena. Siena right. I mean, that's a, that's a bold, in fact, Doug, that's one of the, 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 the last books that I wrote on Pope Paul VI and the elevation and empowerment of women. And I put not priests, but mothers, mystics, mentors, and, and models. So in other words, mm. he really did, uh, not just Humana Vitae, but, and he supported Mother Teresa and her, her right. apostolate and so forth. So yeah, he, and his, his talks on, uh, on Catherine and St. There Teresa of Avila are wonderful. And that's an innovation right. when you think of it. You know, and now John right. Paul's followed up on that. He's now St. Therese. And I think Edith Stein, is Edith Stein a doctor of the church? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. so, he, you know, he's opened the door in that Right, way. absolutely. I didn't realize that he did. You say in the introduction, although he was neither colorful nor charismatic in public, he nonetheless conveyed powerful images and made vivid impressions through his words and deeds. How so? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the great thing was in reconciling with Eastern Orthodox, you know, the Eastern Orthodox have a great love for Paul VI, and they removed, and Patriarch Athenagoras, and they removed those um, longstanding, uh, uh, basically, anathemas on each other. And back in, I think it was 1975, he actually kissed the feet of uh, uh, Patriarch Melitos. Mm -hmm. It was a big thing. He would get down on his knees and kiss the feet. So he really did, the Orthodox really respected him. So he really, he reached out uh, to so many different mm -hmm. people. He was the Pope of dialogue, his first encyclical. He listened and he taught the church how to dialogue and the subsequent popes right. have all followed in his footsteps. Right, and in that humility, it's not a weakness, it's a strength actually. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't afraid. Here's the thing. Uh, many people are, are upset because of, you know, people implementing Vatican II incorrectly. And it's happened, okay? But the thing is, and Paul VI was upset about it, too. Oh, absolutely. All they, you know, yeah. that famous quote, you, you know, you heard, the smoke of Satan. Satan, you know? right, right. Yeah, the smoke of Satan. But the thing is, even though people did do it, there was a lot of good that happened, you know? And, and, and the thing is, he took the mm -hmm. risk, it, you know? In Revelation 12, 9, it talks about the timid aren't going to go to heaven, so mm -hmm. to speak, you know? And he wasn't timid. He took the risk, and he gave people, just like uh, another example, Doug, that you don't hear about his annulments. He decentralized that. Now, of course, most people would agree, and even the Vatican, that annulments may be, there's annulment abuse. There's too many given Absolutely, out, you know, right. with, you know, all this stuff. But there are cases, and I, and I, I one quick story, Doug. I got a call about 10:30 at night. Hispanic woman, she must be 75, and she says she read my book on this book on Paul the Sixth. She says she read it and she really liked it. And then she's telling me about all these cardinals from before Paul the Sixth was pope. I said, where does this woman get this information? She said, you know, she came from Cuba. She was escaping her husband. I guess was mistreating her. She mm -hmm. came across in a raft, and when she went to get her annulment, the person that helped her was a former priest who had been laicized by Paul the Sixth. Mm -hmm. And this priest said, you know, if Paul the Sixth hadn't kept me within the church, hadn't, you know, extended mercy, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do that, and I wouldn't have been able to help you. And that's another thing, Doug. Mm -hmm. A lot of older priests told me that they liked Paul VI for two reasons. One is that he allowed the priests who left the church. He didn't want the priests to leave the church. Right, he, he didn't take it lightly or anything. But he wanted to keep them in the church, okay? And these priests said, you know, if these priests, for whatever reason, aren't, don't want to be priests, mm -hmm. and you know, it's better that they, you know, that church deals with them another way. Mm -hmm. And and these priests says Paul VI kept the church together. He held mm -hmm. it together, even with the the Society of Pius X. He did everything he could to keep, you know, to keep that kind of schism from happening. Right, right. And we're still dealing with some of that today. You refer to him as a Renaissance man. Why? Well, he liked classical music. His favorite animal was the horse. Uh, he started in 1964, he had a, 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 a talk to artists where he brought them all into the Sistine Chapel. And in fact, later, Pope John Paul and Benedict both, both had great letter to artists. I mean, this is, you know, you talk, I mean, art is, a, is, is the culture of the church. I mean, yeah, we got some of the, the best. beauty. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, we got Visio Divina. All, you know, that's how the church communicated the Bible when people really couldn't read is right, through all right. this beautiful thing. But he invited all the artists there. And Monsignor Mackey, who actually helped me with these books. Yeah, he, you credit him in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah, he was, right? he actually, he, I wrote to him about getting these published, and he told me, he says, you need to do, tell your personal story with politics. And that's when, the, in this book, that's what I did at the beginning. It's a word, a personal word about the Pope. Mm -hmm. So I listened to him, and it got published. And uh, I actually got in there, because that was right after 2001, and I got into Vatican. That's how they put me in touch. And, and Mackey sent me his book on, he wrote a memoirs on Paul VI, but mm -hmm. it was in Italian, mm -hmm. but I got it from his Paul VI secretary. When I went to Australia on a lecture tour, the Archbishop of Adelaide was kind enough. He said, here's a book in English, Paul VI memoirs from Monsignor Mackey, or became Bishop Mackey. It was published in Africa. I'd have never seen it. Right. So that kind of kindness. So Monsignor Mackey was the one who was responsible for all that art. And when I went to tour mm -hmm. the Vatican Museum, Modern Art Wing, which is fantastic, a guard took me aside and he says, here, I want to show you something. So he took me, he, you know, he's opening, you know, the places where people couldn't go. There's this beautiful statue of Paul VI. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get it in that book, but the publisher says, we can't find it. We can't, we can't credit it because we don't know who took 
took the picture, so gotcha. it's not in the book. Okay. But yeah, that modern art wing comes from Paul VI. You say because numerous chapters would interrupt the, the fluidity of the pictures and the narration throughout the book, it's divided into four organic sections, his life, papacy, teachings, times, and legacy. Yeah, I, I wanted to give people a, a, a flavor of each of it. His life, his, 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 he had wonderful parents, uh, his background, he was, he was very influential in helping the young Christian Democrats. In fact, that one of the quotes in the, in the, in one, the second book we'll talk about, Aldo Moro, mm -hmm. who, who was, actually, was assassinated, kidnapped and assassinated. Right, and I didn't know that he had a relationship with him from years before. Not a, he was his mentor. Right, I mean, yeah, he was right. his mentor. And, you know, he actually went up against, he was, as you know, Pius XII secretary, mm -hmm. secretary of state. And he actually told them, he said, you don't have to take dictates from the Pope on matters that are not on faith and morals. Mm -hmm. When it comes to political matters that are separate from faith and morals. So he gave them a little freedom and some of the people in the Vatican didn't like that. So yeah, he, he mentored, because he, he was involved with Catholic youth, so Catholic mm -hmm. youth can look to him because he used to be a chaplain for them. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he taught them about freedom. And they were persecuted mm -hmm. by the Mussolini people. So he, right. like, Paul, like John Paul II, he took his share of beatings from the, uh, the fascists. Right. Absolutely, and then obviously when the Nazis took control basically of Italy in what, 43 or whatever year, they actually basically took over anyway. Additionally, his magnificent but sadly overlooked motu proprio, we've talked about this before, the credo of the people of God. A modern fleshed out restatement of the creed is presented and it's entirely in easily distinguished sections that are presented throughout the book. And that was really his response to what he saw some of the aberrations going on inside of the church to remind people. We didn't change any of that. That's right. Yeah, that, that's, you know, we heard the word aggiornamento mm -hmm. and updating. Mm -hmm. And that was actually written mostly by Jacques Maritain. Mm -hmm. Paul VI had loved the French, the French philosophers. And Jacques Maritain helped him write that. And his other friend was Jean Guiton, mm -hmm. who Bishop Sheen said was the most, the greatest lay theologian in the church. Mm -hmm. So the, Paul VI had a dialogue with, so many, he wrote, Thomas Merton actually, Thomas Merton praised some of his things, mm. but um, that credo was, was published in, in 1968 on June 30th, just a month before Humana Vitae, and it's interesting that Paul VI published the credo, mm -hmm. John Paul published the catechism, John Paul did the, you know, fleshed it really out, but Paul VI wanted to say, hey, the faith is ever new and ever alive. Here, and you know, it's just like the way the mm -hmm. Gospels, you know, the Gospels were written to specific communities to show how the message of Jesus was relevant to that community in that time. Right. You see, many of the problems associated with the implementation of the conciliar reforms can be traced to communication difficulties endemic to such massive change and the infiltrating influence of secular pressures and distortions. The church understandably failed to plan and execute the assimilation process as diligently as did the council's inception and consummation. So it was kind of one of these things where you kind of open the doors and then some of it had its own momentum. And it yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Doug, you know this, like Father Mitch did a wonderful series on Werbum Domini, okay, mm -hmm. wonderful series. I don't see that, you know, when I went to my diocese, I said, I'll do it. No, we're not interested. Hey, the Pope just did a Magna Carta on biblical studies. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we implementing it? So mm -hmm. it's not just Vatican II where they didn't do it. Plus, I think it was basically Vatican II was so overwhelming and all mm -hmm. the preparation they didn't really think about. But, and it's pretty tough to implement a culture like that with, as we talked before, with the changing cultures and all the, the currents that were going around. Right. There was, but, it was yeah. kind of a... You know, it was just a, a whirlwind. A, yeah, I mean, the whirlwind just hit the mid-60s. Anybody who lived through that knows how 
how much things changed and were up for grabs all of a sudden. Yeah, that's correct. And all the and the wars and, and all right. that. And Vietnam all, going yeah, on. Absolutely. And, yeah. and you had you know the Cold War going on. You had a lot of communist kind of movements and riots in many parts. And poverty of the in Africa and all these kind of places. Right. There it was, was a lot it was of things horrific. going on. Now, first among equals, you, you talk about is trademark expression, whether we, we like, like it, it or, or not. not. Yeah, that's right. Why did you make that point? Make oh, that? because when I read Paul the Sixth. Mm -hmm. I re he's one of us. In other words, he recognizes that this, that the gospel is, you know, it's not easy, you know. So we, we have to, we have to take it. And, you know, Pope Francis also, when he wrote his letter on the, the Sunday of the Word of God, he said the Bible has, talks about the Word of God as being bitter mm -hmm. and being sweet. It's, there's a bitter sweetness to it, you know. There's so that that's what I, I like better. So Paul the Sixth was very down to earth, and he knew how difficult it would be for people to live things, and that's why he was very merciful. Right. Well, you, you in a section talking about his early life, he said, "In following our conscience, we can encounter opposition even from well-meaning persons in religious circles." I, I won't even touch that. Doc. You right. know, you, I should be asking you on that. I'm gonna. I'll let you handle that one. So you have the yeah those situations where and 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 when it comes to certainly humane vitae, regardless of other concerns people have expressed at different times, certainly you have to say that he stood up for that and also uh, Our Lady as well was another oh, point that yeah. he brought up because some people were upset about what doc why wasn't there a specific document about Our Lady coming out of Vatican II? Yeah, yeah. You know what, Doug? That's that's a great point. And when you mentioned about religious circles, when when I deal with. The, that, that kind of opposition, I say, so did Jesus, so did St. Paul, so did, you know, Paul the Sixth, all these people did, it's part of it, so the gospel gives mm -hmm. us, you know, the, the recent, uh, in Nazareth, when Jesus went to Nazareth, he started out his own hometown, they, you know, no prophet is without honor his own country, and I, and I want to talk about the Marian thing, too. There was a big debate on whether they would have a separate document on right. Mary. That's very right. important, and the bishops of the, the southern the the southern bishops wanted it. You know, the South American and the northern ones were kind of hesitant. So they decided no, but they decided to put her in, in I believe, chapter eight of Lumen Gentium. Right, integrator. Yeah, and 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 so. But it wasn't in any way a demeaning of Mary. It was actually showing how she's the model of the church and what Paul the Sixth did. Co uh, coincident with the publication of Lumen Gentium, Light to the Nations, was he proclaimed her mother of the mother church. Of the church right. And in fact, the person who wrote the foreword to that, Father Tim Fitzgerald, was there. Okay. He was actually there when he proclaimed her mother of the church. So that comes from uh, Paul VI. And that's why he held the church together. He said, okay, some of the people were disappointed we didn't have a separate letter but we now have a new title for her. That had been in a tradition. Right, to follow up on that, magisterial fallout, uh, and the fact that after Humanity, was it after Humanity Vitae, he didn't write any more encyclicals, was that the last well, yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. You say, he, he, Paul took his rejection hard, he really spoke of his inner feelings. He frequently bemoaned the distortion, faulty interpretations and adaptation of Vatican II that ensued as well as the accompanying disrespect for papal authority and the way secular attitudes were infiltrating the church. Still, he never became embittered and didn't stop writing superb documents, even if he dis didn't issue them as encyclopedias. Exactly, that's a good point. You know, the evangelization in the modern world is superb. Uh, he, he did a document, Oct Octagesima Adveniens, mm -hmm. which was an, which took popular and progressive on social justice and applied it at, at the grassroots level. And that was so important for the, the third world countries. Mm -hmm. It really gave them so much courage. And I want to also mention Mary Alice Cultus, mm -hmm. wonderful document in 1974 on the right ordering of devotion to Blessed Virgin Mary. I think the viewers should check that out. Right. He gave the best synthesis of Mary in the Bible that I've ever read. So that's the book, Pope St. Paul VI, a pictorial retrospective. We also have in the 
few minutes we have left, Prophet and Pilgrim of Peace, 99 sayings by Pope St. Paul VI. How'd you decide which ones would go in this book? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> in fact, basically what I did is I, I had to keep them on one page. So I decided I wanted to focus on Paul VI's 1964 address at the um, Basilica of the Annunciation, where mm -hmm. he, he took the Beatitudes and put them in modern language, just like he did the Creed. You mm -hmm. know, he had done that, and it's beautiful, and he had, it's a wonderful address in the Holy Family. Again, Thomas Merton commented on how beautiful it was, so I picked what I thought were some of the more important ones, and I wanted to spread it out among the various documents and different right. doctrines that he taught on. On page 29, we must serve the Church and love her as she is, with a clear understanding of history and humbly searching for the will of God who assists and guides her even when at times he permits human weakness to eclipse the purity of her features and the beauty of her action. It is this purity and beauty which we are endeavoring to discover and promote. That, that, that fits what's going on in the world and the church today. You know what, Doug, I, it's something I'd like to mention to the viewers too. You know, Vatican II is a gift and it, it's true. People messed up with it. But you know, there's stuff going on, as you know, at parishes and dioceses today that shouldn't go on. Mm -hmm. It's not because of Vatican II. It's human nature. So, and, and if you look back in St. Paul, he's, half of his letters came because of problems that were at his local communities. Mm -hmm. He's got a, Alexander the carpetsmith caused him a lot right. of harm. Right. So right. Absolutely. This My favorite of, quote, right. What? <laughs> My favorite quote. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just shows even St. Paul could get ticked. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, some of us, he could be quite graphic, as you know, in Galatians. Yeah, right. not, not, also, not all that forgiveness pouring out there necessarily. Yeah, he was moment. fiery, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was something. Another one quote, do you, do you now understand what communion is and what accession to Holy Eucharist accomplishes in you. It is the fusion of your suffering with that of Christ, which you, you kind of alluded to earlier. Yeah, his, he, he really, uh, he, he made, he, had, he developed the insight that because Jesus was so fully human, that he experienced suffering in a way that no one else ever has because he really took it in. He didn't desensitize himself to it. And one of the quote, in fact, Doug, one of my favorite quotes is at the end mm -hmm. is on the funeral of Aldo Moro, the mm -hmm. prime minister who was assassinated, right. who, who he mentored. And when he, when he went to the um, uh, St. John Lateran, the memorial mass, he couldn't, he was so, he was three months before he died mm -hmm. in 78, he couldn't give the homily, but he gave a prayer and he said, um, he said, God, you did not hearken to our prayer. So he did a public lament, mm -hmm. and that's very powerful. When I deal with, especially younger people, who, why did their friend get killed? Why right. did this why happen? Why didn't God answer my yeah, prayer? Yeah, why didn't, and I thought, yeah, you know, yeah. even the Pope, even the Pope mm -hmm. was disappointed in God, right. you know, and he, and he did it publicly. He did it publicly, but then he went on to praise him, you know, so it wasn't, it was, there's, there's difference between a complaint and a lament. Right. And he quoted from Psalm 70 in the beginning of that, you know, about the stone, you know, out of the depths we cry. So I thought that was beautiful. So if the Pope can lament publicly, right, right. so can we, we can join our, in, he's right in line with Jeremiah. Despair. As long as we don't despair. That, that's right. right. Yeah, to do it with Peter it is, and Judas. In some ways it is what it is, right? That's the way it is. Uh, the split between the gospel and the culture is without a doubt the drama of our time, just as it was other times. Therefore, every effort must be made to ensure a full evangelization of culture, or more correctly, of cultures. Oh, yeah, and you know, John Paul II certainly, you know, uh, developed that too. And uh, Paul VI really did, he, 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 his, in his will, which I have a quote on there, his will talks about how, why have I not, uh, sufficiently admired this world, he said, what unpardonable distraction, what reprehensible superficiality. 
What are the unpardonable distractions in my life? What are the reprehensible superficialities? That's from Paul VI's will. And somebody who was that in touch with human development to, to, to say right. that is an inspiration to us. Well, as you mentioned earlier, the world in which we live needs beauty in order not to sink into despair. It is beauty, the truth which brings joy to the heart of man, is that precious fruit which resists the wear and tear of time, which unites generations and makes them share things in admiration. Yeah, I mean, in his will, he talked about what a wonderful thing. And, you know, when he died, he died praying the Lord's Prayer. And, in fact, Eve Congard com commented on how that was Pope Paul VI's mm -hmm. pray. prayer. Is He always prayed to our Father, and he said, that's the gift of Jesus. He invites us to call him our Father. And that's why that, that beautiful prayer we have at every right. single Mass. Here's three quick qu quotes, I thought. We've neglected the ways of wisdom to follow the ways of science. Uh, very appropriate. A man without a conscience is like a ship without a rudder. And finally, remorse is the revenge of conscience. Yeah, no, that that's that's uh, that's really good. And the final thing I, I want to mention, Doug, is that uh, his final Mass at uh, on Feast of St. Peter and Paul in 1978, he said, you know, at this, at this, he was looking over his pontificate and he said he feels he can say with Paul, he has held the faith, he has, he has finished the race. And it was beautiful. And people that were there, they, they remembered that. So he, he really did fulfill his, you know, the apostle to the Gentiles. Right. right. Absolutely. And that's what we hope that our Lord thinks about us as well <laughs> in our final days. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, Doug, it was great Carl, being It was with great you. to have you here. Two books, Prophet and Pilgrim of Peace, 99 Sayings. That's Paul. St. Paul the, the Sixth, the Pope, and of course, Pope St. Paul the Sixth, a pictorial retrospective as well. That was the first book we talked about. Now, both of them are available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. This has been EWTN's Bookmark. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Thanks.